I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. Thanks to Raya Eyewear for sponsoring this episode of Holding Court. I've been wearing Raya since last year. During the pandemic, I started teaching more lessons than ever before, especially outside. Raya are by far the best sunglasses for tennis I've ever used. Check them out at RayaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A Eyewear.com. And use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. They are total game changers. All right, I've been really, really looking forward to this for a long time. And uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand from the great state, my state of New York, uh, is joining me. And her schedule, obviously, incredibly busy, particularly over the course of these last few months. So I appreciate you, Senator, coming on with me. We can talk whatever you like. But, of course, we have to talk some tennis because that's where we met on the tennis court. Yes, we did when we were young and <laughs> young players. It was a long time ago. Um, but I'm so glad to be on your podcast. It's great that you're hosting this. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I've been able to speak to a couple of former senators myself uh, during this time. Uh, Senator John Bro from Louisiana, Senator Rick Santorum, uh, who's, of course, now on CNN. But to have you on is a, as, as a sitting senator at the time is, uh, is huge for me, and I appreciate it. So when we met, it was you were doing uh, a fundraising event out in Long Island, and a good friend of mine who ran this club said, hey, the Senator Gillibrand is coming over to do a little something, do a little tennis. Could you come over and play? Little did I know... A, how good you are at tennis. And I think we know this from your attitude representing the great state of New York. Tough, feisty, very determined. Is that how you would, because that's how I describe your tennis game out there, Senator? I think that's fair. I think I try really hard. <laughs> I try never to give up. Um, I, I work at my game. I want to be a better player Every year, no matter how old I am, I'm trying to improve my game. And I have to say, that time we played, you taught me a much better volley. And I've been mm -hmm. using what you taught me ever since. And my volley's great now. So you fixed my forehand volley, which was a little weak. And now it's stronger. So you're a very good coach. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention that to our, our good friend, Renee Stubbs, the Australian, who was one of the great doubles players of all time. So she's going to be very upset when I told Renee, why didn't you help the center? Because she's known for her volleys. What was she doing? <laughs> she might not have. She, she, I might have been doing it better then. But okay. no, actually, I met Renee after I'm, I don't know. It was very early. I don't think I played much with Renee mm -hmm. when I met you. I think, I think, but Patrick, you're forgetting. This is your old age. Um, I met you when we were teenagers and uh, you don't remember, but you were in upstate New York mm -hmm. playing a tennis tournament and um, I was playing at the tournament too. And we winded up going out for drinks mm -hmm. later that day evening mm. um, with my girlfriend, Paige Crable. And uh -huh. we had so much fun. And yep. that's when I first met you. Oh. But I was very young. I was probably 16, maybe. I think we were teenagers. Listen, I was some, not very good. Senator, some things are off limits on this podcast, okay? I mean, I'm not supposed to ask okay. you certain things. I mean, you can't bring these things up about me, you know, going after these, these young ladies back in, the, in my, young, my younger tennis days. Come on. 
It's fair. It's fair. It's fair. But you were very fun and you were very charming and we had a great time. And it was back when um, you were playing your circuit. I was still playing. Um, I think it was before college. It was still when I was a high schooler. And um, uh, it was just fun. And it, these tournaments were so small. They were mm-hmm. tiny st- tournaments in random upstate New York tennis complexes. And it was a lot of fun. But, I'm st- um, listen, I'm still going to those places now because my daughter, who's just about to turn 15, she's been a, a good competitive junior tennis player. So I, I make those treks up to Schenectady and Albany and Ithaca and so on to, to, to go to these tennis tournaments. Now, how did you get into playing? I mean, I know you played lots of sports. You played squash in college, right, at Dartmouth. Correct. So I started tennis when I was about 10. Mm-hmm. So I started a little too late to be as good as you. Um, but I loved it. And so it was my sport all through uh, high school and then college. And then when I got to Dartmouth, I started on the JV tennis team mm-hmm. and my squash coach recruited me. She just came to the courts and said, I need some squash players. Can I please teach you how to play squash? And I said, sure, I'd love to play. I love all racket sports. And I recently learned how to play pickleball too. That's very so, popular. Uh, getting very popular. It's very yes. popular. Yeah. I watched it. It's it's a funny sport. We can talk about it later. Anyway, so I um I said sure, and so I went, and she taught me how to play squash, and I decided that it was really really fun, and it was new, and it was a big challenge. And she's like, you know, if you play, you can be on the varsity. I said really, and so I joined, and I wound up playing varsity for four years of squash, which was unexpected. That's pretty amazing, considering you never you'd never played. You, you obviously you were good at tennis, but you never played squash and you became a varsity player. I mean, a testament to your true athletic prowess, Senator. Very kind. Uh, it was just fun. And a lot of the, the, the motions are totally different. It's, mm-hmm. you know, in, in squash, it's a chop. It's like you go from high to low. It's not a finesse like a slice. It's a real chop, which is just not used in tennis. The, the racket is too heavy. It would kill, it would kill your wrist if you tried to do a squash shot with a tennis racket. I mean, I but, stayed, um, I stayed away from playing squash and racquetball for, for the, exactly those reasons. Cause it's like a totally, totally different type of swing path and swing pattern. Although by the way, you know, uh, uh, you know, who played a lot of not, not squash when he was a kid, but badminton was Roger Fenner apparently played. You could, you know, he's got that amazing really? wrist. Yeah. He apparently played a lot of badminton. He was also a really good soccer player as a kid. He probably could have been a professional soccer player, but he, I think he made the right call going to tennis. Absolutely. He definitely put an imprint on our sport in a really wonderful way. So now, what, what is, I'm glad what, he chose tennis. Yeah, and as in the whole tennis world is. What, what is your routine like? Obviously, you're incredibly busy as a senator, um, but what is your routine? Like how often do you get to play tennis? Do you play in D.C.? Do you play when you come back to New York? How often do you get to play uh, d- during you know, the busiest time of year when, you're, when you guys are working? So um, I'm playing on Saturday, and I found a really great group of players that are 3.5 to Mm 4.0, and they we basically have a clinic. It's an hour and a half clinic, and our coach's name is Joe, Mm -hmm. and he runs us around the court, and it's super fun because it's not match play; it's it's practice play, which I love uh, because I was a kid taking tennis lessons my whole childhood, so it just is very, very fun for me. And my game's gotten better. So, mm-hmm. so that, and, and a lot of the players are four or four five. So it's pulled my game up, which is great. So I can hit harder and faster. Um, it's also great for my fitness. Uh, so I do that once a week. And then when it wasn't COVID, mm-hmm. I would usually play singles with a friend, um, Tuesdays or Thursdays. Uh, so I try to play twice a week, which isn't a lot, but it's better than nothing. And I love that. And then uh, on other days I do things like go to 
Pilates class mm-hmm. or do yoga because I'm getting old. And no, you're I not. Do, we're, we're, uh, we're, simi- we're, we're similar age, by the way. So don't say that because I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to feel like, okay, I got to, I'm turning my attitude around. I lost a little weight. I'm getting in better shape. So come on, we got to, we got to stick this out here. I somewhere. love that. Well, it's all about um, conditioning and it's mm-hmm. all about um, having mobility until you're a hundred. And so tennis is part of that. But I think that's why I had to increase things like Pilates and yoga because yeah. I was just so sore and I was getting injured. So I've been combining tennis with these other sports just so I can keep have playing. that longevity, have that. Yeah, exactly. Keep playing and not get injured. Um, when I first started with that competitive group, I had, I got plantar fasciitis within like a month because I was playing so aggressively and I hadn't played that way since college that my body just couldn't handle it. And so I learned very clearly then I need to do these other sports too so I can uh, cross train and so that injury was probably three years ago Mm -hmm. and I just have been doing the yoga and Pilates since very very smart and I'm not surprised so when you went to law school at UCLA um, after you'd been at Dartmouth what did you ever play tennis when you were out in California Absolutely. One of the best things about UCLA Law School is they had courts right on campus mm-hmm. and I could use them anytime I wanted. I probably played tennis four times a week. Um, wow. I loved it. It was like super fun. I got to play all the time. The weather was great. So California is a great place uh, for for someone if, if tennis is their sport because you can play every day. It's wonderful. Yeah, I, play, I went to Stanford, by the way. So I played it uh, against UCLA every year in USC. Those were our big rivals back back in those days. So, all right, so let's fast forward a little bit to to how you your decision to get into the political life. I mean, I know you were a lawyer for 10 years at a, at a, at a big-time law firm. My dad was at Paul Weiss, by the way, which was another big law firm for his entire career. So I know a little bit about the, that, that world, those hours, how tough that is. But you made the decision decision to get into politics, obviously served in the House for a couple of years before you became the, the, the senator from New York. You had other positions as well. I guess my, the, the real question is why? Why did you decide this is something you had to do? So another thing we have in common, Patrick, is we both uh, have uh, a Catholic faith background. Mm-hmm. And when I was a young lawyer in New York City, um, over time, I just felt like my soul was dying. I just felt like I was working so hard for cases I didn't care a great deal about. It's a grind, as your dad knows. And I just felt a bit soulless. And so I started going to a Bible study and Mm -hmm. I started going to church regularly. Um, And I, I, went to different kinds of churches. I didn't stick to the Catholic church. I went to a really great evangelical church, Presbyterian church in, um, in New York city called Redeemer. And I just became so focused on what's life for and why are we here and, mm-hmm. and what should my life be about? And I decided that I really wanted to focus on public service. And, um, there's this wonderful, uh, biblical story called the parable of the talents. And it's about how God gives you in this story, uh, uh an owner of land gives his workers money. And mm-hmm. he says, you need to, and they were called t- gold talents back then. And he says, I'm going to go away and I want you to invest it. And two invested it and doubled their money and one buried it. And when he came back, he was really mad at the one that buried it because he said, that's ridiculous. You know, I gave you all this and you did nothing with it. You know, you're a terrible, terrible servant. And so I really thought, 
has that applied to me that God gave me all these talents and this great education and these skills and I wasn't using it mm. for the greater good or for others. I was really just using it for very, very wealthy clients. And so I just decided I need to try to get to public service. And mm -hmm. so it took me a while to get there. Um, I wound up working for um, about seven months at, at HUD for Governor Cuomo when he was secretary. Right. And then after that, I enjoyed that job so much. I said, I, I want to do this full time. And so um, there were no more appointed positions because the Democrats lost that year election. It was 2000. And so I winded up um, going, I wound up running for office a few years later. Mm -hmm. So I winded up moving home and running for Congress in 2006. And it was so exciting and I loved it. And it was a, a opportunity to serve and to help people. But uh, I didn't realize how much I would love it and how many mm. interesting things I got to do. And so when Hillary Clinton became Secretary Clinton, she was our senator then, the governor was going to appoint somebody. I had to think, you know, do I want to do this on a higher level? And mm -hmm. and Jonathan you know, basically said, you know, Jonathan, if your you husband. can help more people, you should do it. Jonathan, my husband. Her husband, yeah. And if you yeah, he said, if you can help more people, you should do it. So I put my name in, and I was lucky enough to get appointed. And since then, I ran for election in 2010, 2012, and 2016. Yeah. Um, sorry, 2018. And um, and so now I'm and you, and, and by the loving way, serving yeah, in the Senate. And you, by the way, been a juggernaut, okay? You've, you've both dominant victories, I think, in the history of, this, of uh, the races in New York for the Senate. So obviously – the people are behind you. Uh, you've been very outspoken on a lot of issues, obviously sexual assault in the military, still uh, at the forefront of what uh, you, you consistently talk about. I know family uh, paid family leave is a big issue for you right now. And you know, there's so much going on with the, with the COVID relief bill. So what's, what's at the top right now of Senator Gillibrand's agenda? Well, obviously the biggest problem we have now is COVID and the, economic collapse that came with it. And so I've been working really hard on economic things that can help people recover. So the last COVID package had a bunch of stuff that I worked on, um, creating a health force, for example, to help get the vaccinations into arms, more shots in arms, uh, training young workers who are unemployed in healthcare, so maybe it can become their career, but they can help the distribution of vaccines and testing and all the, because the, the doctors and nurses are exhausted and they're mm -hmm. working overtime, so they need help. Um, for the next bill that's going to be about infrastructure, I want hard infrastructure and soft infrastructure. I want hard infrastructure like rebuilding our bridges, roads, sewers, uh, electric grid, um, high-speed rail, uh, more um, rural broadband. And I want the people who aren't employed in those communities to get trained to do those jobs. Uh, so I have a bill to do that. And then I want to have paid leave in that bill because if we'd had paid leave, Patrick, I mean, mm. think of how many people had to stay home because their kids were remote right. learning, yep. how many people lost their jobs. If we had paid leave, they could have stayed employed and gotten paid for up to three months. Paid leave would have covered that. Um, we would have been able to have, if you were sick, you could stay home. Again, it would have just been the infrastructure of allowing people to thrive in the workplace and take time off when they need to. And, you know, it's silly, but we're literally the only industrialized country in the world that doesn't have paid leave and it's an economic drag because every time a person has to take time off because of their parents dying mm -hmm. or a sick child or a new baby it's hard to get reemployed at the same level when you left and so it's a drag on the economy it hurts 
the ability of uh, particular women to keep getting higher and higher pay and, and reach their full potential in the workforce because more often than not, they're the caregivers. But it hurts everybody. It hurts families. Um, it hurts individuals. Uh, it hurts anyone who'd love to be with a, a loved one during a time of crisis or when there's a new baby. And so our bill is gender neutral. It's for all life events. And it would transform work and create uh, more infrastructure long term. So those are some of the priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to help more people get access to capital. So one of my big ideas that I'm working on is postal banking, which means letting post offices do checking savings and microloans. They already do money orders. They do $20 billion of money orders now. If you let them do the basic banking services, there's a third of our population who doesn't have access to a bank account or is underbanked. So um, you could serve the lowest income and the most underserved areas if you did that. So I'm really going to try to lift up my advocacy on that too so I could try to maybe get that in the next infrastructure bill or the one after it. This episode is being brought to you by Raya Eyewear. Over the last few years, a growing concern of mine has been the long-term effects of overexposure to UV rays from my extended time on court in the sun, you know, following that little yellow ball all over the globe. Well, I was also just tired of squinting on sunny days, but my fear was always that wearing sunglasses to protect my eyes would affect the way I hit the ball. Well, last year, especially during the pandemic last summer, I came across Raya, and I'm so, so glad that I did. Raya is changing the way tennis players see the game and protect their most important performance asset, their vision. All of their eyewear is handcrafted in Italy and built specifically to enhance ball contrast and provide protection from those harmful UV rays. There's no question that they help me see the ball better, they relax my eyes in the sun, and they've become an essential part of my tennis experience. Check them out at RiaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A-Eyewear.com. Use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. I promise you will love these sunglasses. Well, I have to tell you, Senator, that uh, just my, I'm going to just tell you a little of my own experience because I actually got COVID uh, uh, just right at the beginning of the pandemic in March of, of 2020. And I remember literally sitting right where I am now, where I've started doing this podcast in the last year in my basement because I was, I was quarantined in my own house in the basement. And I remember calling the 800 number, the New York State number, and they said, uh, your call will be answered in six hours and 22 minutes. So I was like, okay, maybe, oh I'll, wait. My so I said, maybe I'll wait till tomorrow. So anyway, I waited a day, you know, you know, I went online and I, you know, this is right when it, it was the proverbial, you know, what was hitting the fan. And uh, f- anyway, the next time I called, they said, oh, your wait time will be four minutes. And so I said, okay, I can handle that. So I uh, did my first COVID test at the, the, one of the first locations they set up here in New York, in New Rochelle. You remember there was a big, uh, obviously, outbreak in this area. I went to yeah, a drive through got my first um, test there, and then, of course, things changed. Anyway, I went for my first uh, vaccine this week at the Westchester County Center, and I have to tell you, Senator, uh, it was an unbelievably efficient, pleasant, actually, operate. I mean, you know, to be part of, to be there, to see the support, to see the way it was organized. And I actually put out a little, one of my little videos for my tennis fans on Instagram. I said, you know, we got to be, we got to tell it like it is sometimes because everybody, you know, likes to attack the government. That's like the new thing. Everybody go after the government. I said, you know, this, guess who did this? 
our government did this. So I want to give you credit. I want to give New York State, everybody who participated in making this operation really seamless, uh, just as, in, as a person who signed up. You know, once they went, New York State said, you're over 50, you can get it. I signed up, took me a while to get my appointment, got my appointment, boom, done, walked in and out of there. And, you know, I had to wait the 15 minutes once you get the shot. And they just have you wait and make sure you don't have any reaction to it. So I sat in the big room, a distance from everybody. We all were there. Uh, incredible operation. So kudos to, to you and just the government in general for pulling that off. Well, I'm glad you got your vaccine. Did it hurt your arm? And did you get the one that's a one-off or do you have to do two? I got the two. I got the Pfizer. So I've got my second shot, you know, booked in a, in a, in a few weeks. My arm was a little bit sore for a day or two, uh, but that's it. And uh, every, everybody, yeah, that's great. Yeah, everybody I know who I've spoken to is fairly similar, whichever shot they get. Yep. The second shot I took definitely hurt my arm for three days. The first mm-hmm. one was fine. It was like a flu shot, but the second one... I couldn't sleep on that side because it really hurt. But it, I'm just so glad that I was able to get it. My husband uh, hasn't gotten it yet, but he's uh, at least registered. Um, and I'm, I'm eager for when we can get down to high schoolers. Like, I yes. really think the 15 mm-hmm. and above, if we can get them vaccinated by August or, you know, by September, then we can really nip this in the bud because, honestly – the kids, the teenagers mm. are the super spreaders. Right. Like yeah, they're, they're out, they're out going Anyone to in my family yeah. who's had right. COVID, it was the college age kid who brought it home. So right. it's like the college age kids are tough. So we need to get them vaccinated as the next tranche. All right. So you, you mentioned in your answer about the, the political side, obviously, uh, issues with um, family leave and all, all these issues incredibly uh, dialed in and related to just women in general, women in the workplace. So I know that's something that you're incredibly passionate about. You had to be proud, Senator, to be able to run for president as you did with a few other uh, female candidates, one of whom is now the vice president of, uh, of the United States. But I know you've worked really hard to help uh, just get women in general uh, elected to Congress and, 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 and governorships as well around the country. So uh, why do you keep doing that? I mean, I think I know the answer why, but you obviously committed to doing that. And does it make you fe- did it make you feel good when you stood on that stage for you know one of the debates when there were I think nineteen or twenty of you, but but multiple female candidates? Have we, we? I know we have a ways to go, but we've we've come as a country, you know, taking a couple steps further in these last couple of years, haven't we? We sure have. And I have to tell you, it was inspiring. I loved having six women run for president. I thought it was great. And I'm so proud of Kamala Harris to be our first female vice president, first black female vice president, first uh, Asian American uh, female vice president. It is fabulous. So that is a huge win. Um, I do it because I think we govern better when we have diversity of opinion. Mm. And I feel that uh, if we had 51% of women in Congress, if we had more uh, racial, um, socioeconomic, and cultural diversity, it would also help. All of that matters. And so I've worked really hard over the last eight years helping women candidates run for office, and we've raised about $8 million. Um, and we've also created giving circles around the country, and they've raised at least another $10 million. So we're really trying hard to increase resources so that 
candidates um, from different backgrounds um, all across the country can run, and it's working. It's just, and they're making a difference. You know, they're they're the difference is is when you're when you have diversity, people's life experience informs them, and so because they have a different life experience, they're going to raise different problems and offer different solutions. Uh, and the fact that we have more women in Congress is why you know we're able to really push on paid leave. It's shocking we don't have paid leave, but I think it's because we haven't had enough women in Congress to know what it's like to juggle families mm -hmm. um, and family needs because you know we have men who do lots of caregiving and are extremely knowledgeable but disproportionately caregiving mm -hmm. still falls to women and so we have to share those experiences and that'll hopefully inform better policy well no better example than you senator obviously as someone that's a, as a literally a working mom working in the government uh, commuting back and forth between DC and upstate New York where you're from your husband's got his own career you have two two sons so what what's it what's it been like I mean what's been the biggest challenge in that aspect of your career and then as a as a mother you know, I think for all working moms, um, the challenge is to do both well, and it's really hard. Um, I'm very privileged, so I have been able to afford a quality daycare when the boys mm -hmm. were little. I've been able to afford babysitters when I need them. Mm -hmm. um, I've also been in charge of my office, so if I don't want to work at 2 p.m. on Thursday because – it's colonial day at school. I can hopefully <laughs> carve that bit out of my schedule, but most working moms don't have that, that privilege. They don't have that ability because um, they don't control those things of their jobs. And so that's why I try to work on structural reforms like paid leave, like equal pay for equal work, mm -hmm. like affordable daycare, like universal pre-K, because those structural changes help all working parents um, and, and it will help all working moms to have some of the benefits or some of the flexibility that I had when I raised my two boys. Um, but as you know, being a parent's hard. It's probably the hardest job we'll ever have. And we would just be a much stronger country and a more competitive country if we had those supports in place. And we certainly could be able to uh, revive and, and restore the economy if we put those supports in place. Well, kudos to you for continuing to uh, to work on it and, and dedicate your life to making things better. We we appreciate it as U.S. citizens, as New Yorkers. We uh, we love what you do for our state and how committed you are. And uh, Senator Gillibrand, I think you bring that in the, the intensity I see on the tennis court. Okay, and that focus is uh, with you in your in your work as a senator. So I my one request is is. Keep doing it, which I know you will. But number two, our McEnroe Academy in New York City and Randall's Island, we have a great program there. We help a lot of kids from all different backgrounds. What a, what a privilege and an honor it would be someday to have you come there, hit some tennis balls with me, maybe even get Big Brother out there as well. He'll teach a little, a little more about the volley. And uh, you could uh, talk to our kids. I know that would be uh, inspiring to so many to see, to see you there and also show off your – tennis skills because they're pretty good i can't <laughs> wait to do that we're definitely going to do it we'll do it in june july or august 
uh, whatever suits you. And I'm super excited to do that. I can't wait to, again, be with people, to do more outdoor fun. Um, that will go a long way to making my life mm. better. Yeah, and, and all of our lives better. Let's hope we're, that's uh, not too far away. So, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, thank you for joining me. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on. A time flew by, and I look forward to seeing you and seeing you on the courts, most importantly. Me too. Thanks, Patrick. Okay. And stay safe. And, I, and good luck to your daughter who's playing, and good luck to your other daughters that are doing um, other things like dance. So take care, and I'll see you soon. All the best. Take care. Senator Kirsten Bye. Gillibrand, everyone. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.